Hello, and welcome to the Abundant Life Church podcast and sermon archives. If you would like more information about our church, you can go online to alcalabaster.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you, and please enjoy this week's message. You can be seated. Lord bless you this morning. Praise God. What, a, what an honor to, uh, uh, to be asked to, uh, to speak to this group this morning. And uh, I am uh, somewhat of a pinch hitter. The gentleman that uh, we wanted, really, really wanted to come, he couldn't come. And uh, Brother Roberts and I, we put our heads together and we came up with some names. And I came up with a name and he came up with mine. And he told me uh, very uh, sincerely but very firmly that I ought to consider it. And so I did. <laughs> and so here I am, and, uh, and I'm honored to be here. I'm tickled and um, proud of all the guys that are here this morning. I think we got 57, 58, maybe even 60 here. Thank you so much for being here in Alabaster with us today. Amen. My, my style of teaching is a little bit unorthodox. Some of you know me. Some of the local guys here know me a little bit. Brother Gully, uh, he invited me to come over to Gadsden, and I, I, I came with uh, my Bible and four pages of notes and a bag of acorns. I don't know if I'll ever be invited back or not, but uh, that's the way I went. So uh, I may use examples today. Uh, that you may have not run into or maybe not paid any attention to, but uh, that's who I am and that's where I work. I, I have been a wildlife biologist and a forester for all my uh, adult life, went through college, and uh, I make my living in the woods every day. And uh, so if I'm using some examples today and, and um, just enjoy them, okay? Brother Danny Carpenter, he told me at Easter he came here for our church service. He said, I still got my acorn in my pocket. So if you're toting any of the guys from Gaston, if you're toting an acorn around, at least you're thinking about what I said that night. All right. But I want to talk about growth. Uh, if you know, let, and I want, to, I want to direct it to individual growth, not big, huge growth. I want to, I want to talk to us as individuals because uh, collective growth, church growth, if I'm growing, my church is growing. If, if you're growing and you're improving yourself, your church is growing. And if all of us are go, growing and, and, and putting forth an effort, our churches are growing. If you're growing and I'm growing, my family is growing. Okay? So that's, that's the context that I want to uh, teach in this morning. I, I want to get to the main object of my talk this morning, and I want to talk on the value of waiting. And prior to that, I want to go through two things to lead me up to that. So if you will indulge me, I will talk about the ecology of a wasp nest, and then I want to talk about the pH of your soul a little bit, 
That's what I took to Brother Gully's church, Brother over in Gadsden, and I talked about soils, and um, I want to refer to that a little bit. I can't go into a lot of detail this morning, but I hope that I would leave enough questions in your mind that you'll go dig it out. But, uh, Brother Phil, you want to throw our first slide up? The same command that we got as humans got from the Lord, he said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Is that right? Okay, we got that command, right? Okay, it's, it's both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. As a Holy Ghost-filled individual, God is really, really interested in us in being fruitful. He is very interested in us being multiplying our life, multiplying our experiences, right? You got to teach with me now. I'm a teacher. I'm going to ask you that, okay? So I want to use the example of a wasp nest just as a tool to get you to think about growing. Because the same command that you and I got to be, go forth and multiply and be fruitful, the animal kingdom, nature, got the same message. It's called instinct for a wasp or a white-tailed deer or a rabbit or a turkey or something like that. It's called instinct. So if you take this wasp, and that's just a close-up. Brother Anthony, I called him yesterday. I said, I need a picture of a close-up of a wasp nest. I thought he did pretty good, didn't he? <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing sight. But I want to I want to talk about the ecology of this 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 critter. A female queen wasp mates one time in her life. She mates in the fall. She finds her a mate. They uh, mate, and then he dies. Bummer. And then she winters and hibernates in a warm place somewhere, and you don't have your attic. Uh, closed off really, really tight, she'll be in your attic because that's the warmest place during the winter. And there's not many of us in here that hadn't found a wasp in their house or in their attic at some point in time. And so she stays in your attic, hibernates during the, war the cold weather, and then she comes out and finds a place to build her nest, and a lot of times she finds it under the eave of your house. Is that right? Or in a corner. They always normally will be up in a corner. That gives the nest stability. I'll hurry through this. But one, most of the time when we see them, we run into them, we run from them, there's something chasing us, right? There's hundreds of them. You, you, you would bet, if you were a betting man, there's at least 500 on there. It seems like they're all chasing you. That's, that's the view that we have. But that nest that you look that you're looking at right here starts with one. It's her, just one, one female queen wasp, and she selects the spot. She starts building a nest. Most of the time, they select a nest with houses that's got some wood around it. They love fence posts. They love wooden fences and stuff like that. Because the way they make their nest is they're able to scrape a little wood off your fence post or off the wood side of your house. They mix that with saliva and they make cellulose, which is a paper. And so she starts building her nest and she makes one cube, one cubicle. 
Just like you're seeing right there, she makes one. And she lays the egg in it and nurtures that egg. And in 10 days, it hatches. And there's a wasp. And when they are born, or when they hatch out, I won't say born, when they hatch out, they are mature. So now she's got, there's two wasps, right? Her and one more, Brother Bozeman. Okay, now she's got a little help. I said she's got a little help. And now she makes two tubes. She's got a partner that partners with her, and he goes out or she goes out and gets a little wood, turns it into paper. Now they make two cubicles. And they lay two more eggs. Ten days later, now there's four, right? And so you see the multiplication, Brother TJ, of how this thing works. Now they got four. She builds four more cubicles, fills all of them. Sounds like a church being built to me. Brother Roberts was a little lucky because he started with five. <laughs> he was ahead of the game when he started Abundant Life. He had himself, his wife, and three kids. I'm going to get myself straight here in a minute. I'll get going, all right? So I'm, so I'm presenting that to you, Brother Bozeman, to tell you that that's the way it works. They have the blueprint to make growth. They got it. Brother Taylor, and they're on the, the way to doing it. And so she just keeps, every time it multiplies and doubles, she fills it up. Again, she lays more eggs. Here's the interesting thing about wasp, is that the queen determines the sex of what is being born. The, mount, the certain foods that she may feed, or they may feed one particular fertilized egg, it will turn out to be a, a, a female. But the unfertilized eggs, I don't know how that works, but it works in the kingdom of wasps. The unfertilized eggs turn out to be males. So she determines that. So guess, guess what? She produces more than anything. Unfertilized eggs got her a bunch of boys working, a bunch of men working. Because you don't need very many queens but you need a lot of men. <laughs> I'm talking about individual growth. So they're in 10 days, they're ready to go. You've been baptized in the name of Jesus. I, I, I feel like you ought to be ready to go. I understand about learning. I understand about procedures. I understand all of that. But one thing that ought to be instinctive to us as Holy Ghost-filled men, we ought to have a desire to work. We might not have all the answers, but we got it inside of us. Whatsoever our hands find to do, we're doing it. Is that all right, Brother Gelly? All right. So I'm talking about individual growth. And first thing you know, you got a wasp nest up there that's got 500 on it. Or more. Those guys that 
bury you up in the ground called yellow jackets that, that can set your world on fire when you run over them with a lawnmower. They can make grown men hurt themselves. I've been one of them. I've had to give, I've had numerous times, I've had to give them my bulldozer. I, I left my bulldozer island for over six hours one day while they had it. Every time I walked up to it, there seemed to be one that recognized me. Thousands of them in the ground start off with one. I believe there's a lot of power in this room today, gentlemen. There's a lot of power, a lot of get up and go in this room today. I hope you understand that. The second, the second thing that I want to uh, uh, talk about is what I took to Brother Gully's over in Gadsden. And I want to talk about the pH of your soul. I want to talk about souls. Every, every job that I have ever gotten, Brother Bozeman, in my career... It is always growing. The landowners that hire me to do their work, they want me to grow trees. They want me to grow big deer. They want lots of turkeys and lots of quail and all of them in order. So I've been exposed to growing stuff and learning how to grow things. Some plant species don't grow in every soil. You've got to recognize it, Brother Danny. You've got to be able to tell what what will grow where. All species of clover, we use them a lot in deer management, but they don't all grow in the same soils. You've got to be able to recognize that. So it's a constant source of manipulating soils, right? You say, what, kind of deer, what does that have to do with spirituality? I'll get to you a little, little bit later, but Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, mentions four different types of soils, right? The byway, the thorny ground, the rocky ground, and the good ground. 75% of it was rotten. 25% of it was good. Otherwise, you're going to have to manipulate the other 75% to get it into productivity. So there's one ingredient when you, when you get a hold of a place, a property, you got gardens, you got plants, you, you want to grow a garden. One of the very first things that you ought to do is pull your soil sample and find out one criteria. What's the pH of the soil? You send it off to the lab down in Auburn, Alabama. I'll take it. We, you send it over here. I'll take it down there for you. They're going to send you a number back, Brother Drake. It's going to be 455565. It could be 7, but hardly ever are they 7. They're always on the low end side. What that tells us, Brother Bozeman, is this, that the lower the number, the more acid the soil. And acid, the acid in the soil, brothers, is what controls root growth. Come on, let me say it, let me say it again. Let that soak in a little bit. The last time I checked, the Bible indicates that I'll be rooted and grounded. I said rooted. And grounded. So pH numbers are very, very important. So that's where I came up with the title of the study. What's the pH of your soul? Because if acid 
in the soil impedes root growth, then acid in my soul will impede spiritual root growth. One of you brothers, would you grab me a bottle of water? I, I I'm not going to last very long, I can tell that. So what do you do, Brother Lee Garrett? Brother, you've heard this. Give me double amens on this, okay? Help me out here. I taught this to you four or five times. Brother, Brother Gully, you remember what I talked about? That if you had a garden and you had a low pH number, four or five, Five five or something like that. It indicated that you were high acid, had high acid content, and the acid in soils is aluminum. Okay, thank you, brother. Set that right there, and I get it in a minute. The acid in soils is aluminum, and it stops root growth. So otherwise, brother Bozeman, you can plant your garden, put whatever you want out there, and you got a high pH of soil, a uh, high pH, a low pH number. And uh, you got a bunch of plants with no roots. You got a bunch of stuff up top, but you don't have no root system. You say, well, I need to fertilize them. So you go put a little triple 13 around them, triple 8, throw it around them a little bit. And you say, these things aren't growing. Guess what? They aren't growing because they don't have any roots. The little bitty, pull up a plant sometimes and you're going to see dark, dark brown roots. But out at the end of it, you're going to see little bitty white ones. That's what you want. If you pull up a plant and it's got all little brown roots on it, no little white fringes on it, you're in big trouble. That's what takes up the fertilizer, Brother Bozeman, that you throw out there. If you don't have that, you're not growing. So how do you counteract high, high acid content in the soils? Well, we go over here to the mines over here, to, just here in Alabaster, and we buy us a truckload of limestone. And limestone is a kind of an uh, uh, anti-acid product. So you get a soil sample back and that tells you that you need one ton of lime per acre. That's what you put out there. So you put a ton of lime out there. The problem is it takes a year for it to get into the system. It's not immediate. It's not immediately. So you put the lime out there, and you, if you're thinking for high yields and all that, don't get your hopes up because it doesn't happen that way. But a year from now, after you put the lime in there, different. The acid has been counteractive, or uh, the, the lime has come against your acid in the soils, and all of a sudden something is happening, Brother Bozeman. Okay, so if, if, if my point is this, if... Uh, if you got acid in your soul, we can have acid in our life. The principle of growth is the same, Brother Brock. It doesn't change from spiritual to natural. It, they're the same. They're the same. Don't let me get out here spooky with you or whatever like that. I know that's a broad statement. But the principle of growth, both spiritually and natural, same. Same creator. So the soil sample for my garden or my food plot tells me I need a ton to the acre. So I get the lime truck in and that's what we put out. And the following year, man, things are happening. All right, what do we do with our soul? 
That's what we really are talking about today. So first thing you, we, we, we want to identify is what's acid in your soul? Now, I'm only going to name four or five here today among us brothers here today, but you ought to be able to know some more of them. Let me tell you one acid, uh, soul, soul acid that will affect you very deeply. Inconsistent church attendance. Brother Bozeman, I don't have a lot of authority here today. I operate under Brother Robert's ministry, but I feel a little boldness here to tell you that if you're inconsistent with your church attendance, you got acid in your soul. Brother Roberts tells us that you just need to show up. For us men here today, let me speak in this terms. Another asset is this. If you aren't returning your tithes to the church according to the word of God, that's acid. That that will help kill your soul. Pastors can teach on that a lot more than I, I have the authority to do it. Brother Ian, if I am not a praying man, that's acid. That's acid. If I am not a person that fasts, that's acid. Oh, I'm talking about personal growth, Brother TJ. What, what is going to make me grow? What is going to produce root systems in my soul? You want to know why our pastors are preaching them blue in the, their, their cells blue in the face sometimes? And nothing is happening? No roots. Can't take it in. I've got, to, I've got to get myself to the point, Brother Bozeman, that when you preach the Word, I've got these little white, fibrous, spiritual roots out that when the Word of God comes to me, woo! Come on, stand with me, come on. Praise God. Thank you. Praise God. Amen. So what are you going to do? What am I going to do? So I've got acid in my soul. What am I going to do? What counteracts that? What's the antidote to that? Well, if I'm inconsistent with coming to church, I'm going to change that. I'm going to change to the mere fact that that, uh, every time the doors open... I'm in church. If there's a special work day that's called, I'm going. Not only am I going, but I'm going to get my family going. If I haven't been praying enough, Brother Drake, I'm going to dedicate myself to prayer. I'm going to change that. Remember, remember, you're full of the Holy Ghost. You're baptized in the name of Jesus. We've got this instinctive ability to be a man. So if we need to change something, we man up and change it. 
Mm. I promised myself I wouldn't raise my voice today, but I'm sorry. Brother Robert, I promised myself I was just going to be a teacher. There's something up here. I don't know what. Yeah, I do know what's up here. Brother Matthew Johnson won't have a bit of problem. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Let me go to Matthew 13. That's the parable of the sower. I want to read it to you. I'm, I'm hoping that you're familiar with it, right? It talks about sowing seed, right? Okay, some, some of the seed fell on the byway. What, what identifies the byway? Packed soil. It's been walked on, been trod on. Some of the worst compacted soils that I ever deal with in my work is former cow pastures. Because years and years and years of little bitty round hooves about four inches in diameter walking over them compacts the soil down so hard that rain won't hardly soak in. It just runs off. So what do you got to do to, to combat that? The Bible talks about this one particular vineyard guy says, I'll dig around it and dung it. River, that Brother Taylor, that's familiar to you. In other words, what you have to do is you have to start breaking up your ground. That counteracts bad soil. I'm talking about being able to manipulate and change bad soil into good soil. I ain't working on a place right now, Brother Anthony. I'll make you a picture and bring it to you. I should have done it yesterday. It's a woods. It's planted in trees, but it's old terraces. You know what a terrace is? Back when they plowed with mules, they terraced their ground to keep it from eroding. So these terraces are all through the woods. At the end of every terrace is a rock pile. Where'd they come from? Well, they picked up rocks out of the field back when they, before tractors, and they were farming with the mules because mules didn't have the big old heavy plows. So the rocks were bad for them. And so they picked them up and took them down to the end of the row and put them out. And so these rock piles are all in the woods. The Bible talks about rocky ground. All right? If you, wanna, if you got rocky ground in your soul, brother Gully, what you got to do is start picking up rocks. It takes effort to pick up rocks. But it counteracts the acid of rocky ground. And all of a sudden you're turning rocky ground into good ground. Next thing that uh, the Bible says, the parable says, that some seed fell on thorny ground. Thorny ground. Here's a pH problem. Low pH indicates weeds. When you have low pH numbers, that's where weeds thrive. When you have carnality in your soul, you have low pH numbers. So it's an indicator, Brother Gully, thorny ground, that's the indicator of bad pH. So if you've got some thorns growing in your life, they indicate invasive things growing in your life. That's what that represents. So if you've got that, i got that growing, Brother Taylor. There ought to be a little red light going off on your spiritual dashboard, thorny ground, thorny ground. 
I got to do something about it. How do you get rid of them? Well, in the first place, you ought to start pulling them up. I had a dear, dear friend, an old black gentleman, Brother Gully. I, I got pictures of him. He, he lived all by himself. He lived his entire life in a house that didn't have any running water nor electricity. Never had a driving license in his life, but he had a mule and a plow, and he would let me bring my tractor over and break his land up, but he wouldn't let me do any more of that. He said, I'll plow it with my mule. I went to his house one time, Brother Taylor, and I couldn't find him. He was, he's always at home. He was always at home. I called him, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. No answer. I walked around to the back of his house. I said, Charlie. I heard this faint, faint little voice. Couldn't figure out where in the world it was. I just started walking toward the voice. I got down, Brother Carpenter, to where I got, I was getting closer to where the voice was coming from. I called again, Charlie. He answered me again. I knew where he was. When I got down there, there was this man in a hole digging up the roots of persimmon trees. And if you know anything about persimmon, they have a Mm, massive, massive root system that goes really, really deep into the ground. And I said, Charlie, what in the world are you doing? He was almost head high, digging down. He said, Mr. Danny, he said, I'm tired of this persimmon breaking my plow. And he said, when I get through today, I'll be to the root of the problem. That's, that's thorny ground. You're going to start pulling up some thorns and counteract the acid of thorny ground. You better pull them up by the roots. You pull them up when the ground is hard, you only break them off. Mm. So now all of a sudden I'm working toward changing 75% of old Rocky ground, byway ground, thorny ground, and the good ground. Now, all of a sudden, Brother Bozeman, when you preach the word, I'm on my feet. I am on my feet. Amen. I got it. I see that. I've never seen that before. That's what happens when you counteract these acid soils of your soul. So my question is, how's the pH of your soul? How's the pH of your soul? You have to answer that. I have to answer that. We know, our, we know each other. We know ourselves better than anything, Brother Mark Maddox. Pastor don't have to come and point that stuff out. We know it. We are instinctive to, to that extent, Brother Gully. We know that it's there. Amen? Oh, man, man, man. Branches, trees, you plant a tree, apple tree, fruit tree, any type of tree, oak tree. The branches of the tree never outgrow the root system. So what you see on top of the ground is what indicates what's underground. The top never outgrows the roots. If I was a preacher, I probably could preach right there, but I may just drop this on you a little bit. 
You and I as leaders of our home, our family will never outgrow us. Let me say that again, brother. My wife and my kids will now outgrow my leadership. If I am about halfway lukewarm, that's about what they're going to be. If I am very shallow in the Word of God, Brother Bozeman, that's about where they're going to be. But you let me get my pH of my soul corrected, and all of a sudden they see me in the Word a lot more than they used to see me, and all of a sudden they say, well, I guess we're going to church tonight, aren't we? Yes, you're right. You got that right. Load them up, baby. And all of a sudden I'm changing because the pH of my soul has changed, Brother Gully. All of a sudden I got these little fight spiritual roots going. And when Brother Roberts gets up and teaches, he don't even have to preach. He hardly even has to raise his voice. Man, I'm on my feet. Yes, sir. Whereas when I had bad pH of the soul, I'm sitting there with my arms crossed. What in the world is he saying? And a lot of us could say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Woo. Praise God. Oh, man. Brother Johnson, I'm in the warm-up act. It ain't going to be no hard problem to preach today when you get here. There's an anointing in this pulpit today. I'm honored to stand here. I know where it comes from. I got a lot of material, and I don't have a lot of time to, to do it. But I want to get to where I really want to get. Before I do that, I got two two slides that I want to show you. Brother Phil, if you'll show the second slide, can you see that? It's one field with a fence in the middle, and this side is green, and the other side is yellow, right, or orange. You see that? Is that the light too much? Okay. That is a visual of a field that's being taken care of, that field here that's green, you can't see them. You might be able to see them. There's a couple cows laying out there in it. The guy on this side raises cows. His brother on the other side is waiting for somebody to buy it to build houses on. He don't really care. When their daddy died, that's what, that's what this is. That's a picture of that. Ten years from now or less, there'll be houses over there. But this guy here, he limes it. I said he limes it. He's taken, a, he's taken a soil sample, Brother Bozeman, and he found out that his soil needed lime because his grass wasn't growing in his pasture. So he limed it, he's fertilizing it, and it's working. The Word of God has got to work in our life. When it's preached, it's got to fall on good ground. So he's done that. Whereas his brother over there doesn't give a rip. So he's not spending no money on his. 
No lime, no fertilizer, no attention whatsoever. He's just waiting to cash out. That plant that you see over there that's yellow is uh, broom sedge. And broom sedge is always an indicator species of low pH. So when you drive by the fields or drive through, broom sedge lives up here. It's all up here too. It's not just a southern Alabama plant. But when you're driving down the road and you see the broom sedge out here in the field, something ought to click in your spirit and in your heart and in your mind that's saying low pH, low pH. That ought to be a reminder to keep working on yourself, Brother Maddox. So broom sedge is an indicator. It's a weed. It indicates low pH. Therefore, there you go. There it is. Brother Phil, throw the other one up there. Okay. When I was at Brother Gully's, my Brother Davidson Church, Brother Gully's men group, I told them that this is a picture of a field that five years ago was a cotton field. It's just outside of Auburn. I go by it almost every week. And I am fixing to make another picture of it now because now it has trees growing in it. But now, six years ago, Brother TJ, that was a cotton field. But again, it's a piece of property that the, the patriarch of the family died and the son had never done anything because he lived off his daddy and he doesn't give a rip. And he's waiting on houses too. And so that's what you can get with just pure neglect. And Brother Randolph, I promised you I'd bring this to you so you can see it. I talked about it one time. That's what my life looks like when I don't care. I don't care about church. I'll come sometimes. I'll come Easter and Christmas. I, I'll bring the wife and drop the kids off. That's not any big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. It's a real big deal. I got acid in my soul. I better quit with that. But I'll be glad to come to your kitchen table and go into depth with you. Amen. <clears throat> Let me get to my last point. And it's all about growth. It's all about personal growth. And I want to read two scriptures to you. I think Brother Phil will throw them up. And then for the next 15 minutes or so, I don't even know what time it is. I don't even know what time I started. Isaiah 40 and 31 says this, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. And my second verse is Psalms 27 and 14. I'll read both of them. I'll come back to the first one. It says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Okay? And for the next few minutes, I want to talk about the value of a weight. So now we've established using the wasp nest as how they proceed and multiply and grow. 
we've talked about soils a little bit and how that works both spiritually and naturally. But I've never planted a crop, Brother Randolph. I never planted a seed and then the following day harvest it. There's a weight involved. A lot of species mature quickly. Some uh, corn, for example, they have a lot of hybrid corns now that is called 60-day corn. When I was a boy, the earliest you could possibly get it to produce and be mature was 90 days. But now they've bred those factors into to it. Brown top millet, if you were planting a dove field, you allowed, we allow 70 days for maturity, 10 days for it to grow up, to mature, I mean, germinate and come up, and 60 days for growth. And then you got your dove field. But there's a weight involved. If I asked Brother Carpenter this morning, I'm not going to ask him. If I asked Brother Carpenter if he would define weight, I wonder what that would be. He would say something like, well, my wife's in Dillard's. It's going to be a long wait. Well, TJ Maxx is calling. That's a biggie. She can buy groceries in that baby. Yeah, it's going to be a long time. So 25 years ago, before these little critters right here got out here, Brother Maddox, waiting was a hard thing to do. I can distinctly remember, Brother Brock, that I did not leave the house without a newspaper or a book. Because Sister Hillstead can shop. Don't tell her I said that. Well, I'm on tape, ain't I? I am in big trouble. Edit that, Anthony. The woman can shop. But I don't have no problem no more. Matter of fact, when she gets back into the car, I say, you back so soon. <laughs> Man, let's wait a minute while, wait just a minute. This is going to be over here in just a second. Some of you older guys know what I'm talking about. But that's how, it, that's how we would define weight, wouldn't it? Okay. First verse that I read to you said something in regard to eagles, wings as eagles. Uh, let me explain some anatomy parts of an eagle, if you hadn't studied this out. Eagles are soaring birds. Had the uh, pleasure to be part of a necropsy on an eagle one time that uh, accidentally got killed and at least the guy said he was at, it was an accident and uh, anyway it was an expensive accident I know that but anyway we did a necropsy on on the eagle and to get the pellets out of it and uh, identify what kind of gun on and on and on that's a different story but one of the things that I noticed brother Bozeman is that eagles don't have chest muscles they have hardly any muscles on their chest. Now, if you compare an eagle with a mallard duck, 
If you've ever skinned a mallard duck or ate a mallard duck, he's, he's got a chest on him, man. And it's dark. It's all dark meat because it's full of blood vessels. Because a mallard duck has got like 5,000 rotations per minute. That bad boy has a flaps and wings. He's got short little stubby wings. And he has to keep them moving to, for him to be moving. But an eagle can't do that. The only time you're going to see an eagle flap is just very short spells, short periods there, and they're, otherwise they're soaring. <clears throat> Let me read this again so you get a picture of this. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They're going to mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Here's the key. We're talking about the value of a weight, right? But I'm also talking about personal growth. <clears throat> if you fly like an eagle, then you can run and not be weary because you're soaring. But here's what happens to most of us, a lot of us, a lot of the times, we're flappers. We're flappers. And then we hear stuff like, man, I'm bummed out. I'm stressed out. I am burnt out. Well, we have burnt ourselves out. Because when you learn how to fly, like God has designed us to fly, it won't happen. You'll run and not faint. Your energy is going to be renewed. Talking about the value of a weight. Here's what an eagle does. We were up in Alaska a couple months ago visiting Josh. I saw about 20, 25 a day there where they look like blackbirds up there. Matter of fact, they just got an old hat. Oh, yeah, there's an eagle. There, there's another one. Man, oh, would you look at that? That's nice. Man, they just got an old hat. You see one down here somewhere? Woo-hoo-hoo. Man, your eyes bug out. Got a few around here now, but nothing like that. But I watched them, Brother Bozeman. A lot of mountains in Alaska. They would sail off, never flap. And they would start circling. This circle. And all of a sudden you realize they're going up. They done found the updraft. The Bible indicates that the Holy Ghost is a wind. I'm not, I'm not going into a lot of depth of this. I can't. But I want to introduce another word to you that you may have now to run across. I would hope that you had. But if you hadn't, I want to introduce you to it today. It, it goes along with weight. In our English language, we have words that have double meanings. And some, one of those double meanings a lot of times is descriptive. Okay. And the word that I want to introduce you to, it goes side by side with weight, and that's confinement. And this is the part that tricks, trips us up. We don't like that part. But confinement talks about, and the meaning of confinement means exactly what it means. Brother Carpenter, if you get in trouble and they put you in the slammer, you are confined. But on the other side of it, Brother Bozeman, the side that I want to, attacked and get into a little bit here is that it describes gestation 
confinement does. Confinement describes the period from a fertilization of an egg to birth. Okay? And now all of a sudden, waiting takes on a different meaning, doesn't it? Because the Bible talks about unless a grain of corn goes into the ground, confinement. Brother Phil, will you throw in the other slide? There it is, right there. Thank you. Anybody ever seen one of these? They're, they're in your backyard right now. They are making racket like you won't believe at dusky, dark, and daylight. That is a cicada. Throw me another slide, Brother Phil. Brother Jonathan Kendrick made this photo. I thought it was pretty neat. He came out of his old shell, and he's waiting on his new one to mature out and dry out a little bit. How, how neat is that? Go, go to the next one. And this one was on my little fence post at the house the other day. Uh, that's his shed skin. And that's the way they grow. They have to shed skin. Go back to the first one with the, the critter on my finger. There you go. That is a, a cicada that's called a 13-year cicada. We have two cicadas in Alabama. We have a 13-year cicada and we have a 17-year cicada. What that means is they are right now they're, they're breeding. That's what you hear is going on. That's, that's what they're doing. But the prior 13 years, he's in the ground. He spent 13 years in the ground. I heard Brother Roberts use this word the other day, metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. Anybody ever heard of that? Metamorphosis comes from a Greek word, metamorphi, which means complete change. So this cicada... Hatches out, she lays an egg on a limb up high in a tree, a little crevice, hatches out in just a few days, turns into a little lava, a little worm-looking thing, crawls down the tree, goes into the ground, goes through metamorphosis in the ground for 13 years. Comes out the ground, and he'll look like this, the one that was shedding his skin, getting a new set of wings and all that. That's what he looks like for 72 hours, and then he's dead. But what he's done, Brother Bozeman, is he has contributed to the, to the continuance of his species. Going back to where I first started, the Bible says be fruitful and... So I'm submitting to you today the word uh, confinement is where we don't like it sometimes because God can overshadow you and impregnate you with purpose, a lot of different things. He can do the same thing to you and I, Brother Carpenter, that he did to Mary. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost overshadowed her and she was with child, confinement. So the Holy Ghost in this service today before you leave here and before I leave here, God could overshadow you, Brother TJ, and impregnate you with purpose, direction, 
But there's got to be a confinement period. And that's where we get tricked up sometimes. Mm. You do have a spiritual metamorphosis. Let me tell you of an example in the Bible of a spiritual metamorphosis. That is the story of Joseph. From the time that Joseph got his dream, that was an egg. That was egg. Until the time, Brother Drake, you with me? Until his folks showed up on Joseph's doorsteps in Egypt, that was a period of gestation for him. That was a wait. God designed it, Brother Carpenter, as a wait. And for 13 years, according to my Bible, the best I can tell, about 13 years, Joseph went through a spiritual metamorphosis. Because in the first, Joseph was a dreamer. He liked to tell people about his dreams. But when he got to Egypt, he was a type of Savior. So in that 13 years of confinement or gestation, Joseph, God got Joseph out of Joseph. So is a weight valuable or not? When God speaks something into your life or into my life, it's worth the wait until, Brother Carpenter, it's fulfilled. You say, how do I know when it's going to be fulfilled? You'll know. Ask the lady. When it gets time to deliver a baby, they know. They know. Mm. Brother Roberts referred to to this example of the other day and I wrote it down quickly so I wouldn't forget it. Samson's Samson's captors forgot about his hair growing back out. So they poked his eyes out and made him turn this wheel all day long and they cut his hair off but he cried one last time to the Lord. That was an egg. That was start of gestation, Brother Car uh, Taylor. And all of a sudden, his hair started growing out. And when it got grown out to the point, the Bible says he destroyed more in the end than the front, from the front. That was a weight. I'm giving you some examples. I hope that it makes sense. The walls of Jericho was a weight. There was great value in the walls of Jericho coming down, but there was a weight involved. Read the story completely. Get a picture of it. They were supposed to walk around the walls and keep their mouth shut for a, sec for a number of days, right? All right? What did they do after that? The Bible says they returned to camp. Maybe I'm far out there. I don't know. But that was a wait. But on the last day, it was the last day of gestation. The wait was about over. A baby was going to be born. Because on the last day, the walls, they did what they were supposed to do. And the walls come down. It was worth the wait for them. It was worth the wait. Mm. 
And my last example is this. We have a lady in our town back home. I don't know her very well, but I think she's making a terrible mistake, and I'll tell you why in a minute. She's a bona fide Auburn Tiger fan. The problem is uh, she may have already done this procedure. Uh, she got pregnant, and her due date was October 31st. And that's a real conflict with some folks. And so her idea was, according to my friend, was she was going to be induced with labor three weeks ahead of time. So she could fly to Dallas and see her beloved Tigers play. But let me tell you why that's a mistake. Because the Bible, my, my personal experience with babies being born is this. You want a full-term baby. You don't want a premature baby. You don't want a premature life. And you don't... You want a full-term baby. I can tell you that. When our son was born, he was seven weeks early. And I know the agony. If anybody in here has ever had a premature baby, I, I, I sympathize with you. It was a tough, 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 tough time. It was even tougher on Sister Hillstead because she went to the hospital to have a baby, but she didn't leave with a baby. 58, 59 days later, I think, I think it was 59 days, we get to take him home. He weighed three pounds and five ounces. You, you could put him in a shoebox. They immediately took the baby from Sister Hillstead and rushed him to neonatal and Baptist hospital and immediately put him in a little plastic box that mimicked the womb. Otherwise, he was going to die. And so for about 57, 58 days, all we could do was look at him. And they had little plastic rubber gloves that we could stick our hands in and rub him his face and play with his hands and all that. But while my wife just sat there weeping and crying because she can't touch her baby. He had a great doctor. And he's growing and he's improving and he's getting better and he said that we could take him home when he weighed five pounds and three ounces so it was a great victory when I pick up the phone in the morning and call how's Josh well Josh gained two ounces last night thank God thank God and then the next day, he lost an ounce. And it was a back and forth seesaw thing. And so I got to talk to the doctor one time, and I said, what in the world, Brother Carney? Uh, Concarney, Concarney was his name. I said, what's happening to our son? And he said this. He said, Josh was born. He said, all babies, all human babies, when they're premature, the very last thing that's developed is their lungs. And so when he was born seven weeks premature, he had the buds of lungs, but he didn't have lungs. And I said, well, mm. and I said, why is that? And I was so dumbfounded, and I certainly hadn't researched it or anything. I wasn't in any shape to research nothing. And he said, well, 
he's connected to the mother through the umbilical cord, so he's using his mother's lungs to live. She's pumping all the oxygen into him that he needs. What he needs is he needs his heart to develop, his eyes to develop, his ears to develop. All of those intestines, they, they're going to develop. They develop first. Lungs are the very last thing to develop. And he said premature babies suffer from that. And so he made it. And now he's a pastor. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And it grips me every time I think about it. But I'll never forget when he told me, he said, Josh lives off his mother's lungs. And so I'm submitting to this group here today that there are going to be points and times in your life that there's going to be a weight. God is going to design something. He's going to give you something that a weight is involved. Can I, can I tell you that as long as that weight is being fed by the umbilical cord of the Holy Ghost, that's what you want. Let me, let me say that again. As long as, as he's, if He's giving you purpose... And he's even impregnated you with purpose and drive. As long, the longer it's attached to the umbilical cord of the Holy Ghost, the better off you're going to be. Because you want full-term purpose. You want full-term direction. You don't want part-time or premature birth, brother. You want full term. There's more stuff here, but I gotta quit. I want you to stand. I want you to stand. And here's what I feel in the Holy Ghost, gentlemen. Some of you probably are just like me. And you have points and times kind of jumped the gun on some things that God wanted you to wait. But I'm saying to this to us and myself included because I'm going to get down here with you. That in a matter of seconds, the Holy Ghost can overshadow you and impregnate you again. Whatever, whatever. You know it, I know it. As a whole, we know it. But I'm fixing to hand this back to Brother Roberts and I want him to come. And he can take it from here and go with it. But I'm inviting some folks up to the front. You can walk up here or come and kneel down. But I'm going to tell you that we all have times that there's a gestation going on in our life. That's a spiritual gestation that's going on. And we don't need to rush the birth of it. Why? Because I need personal growth. And if I can allow that to grow until it's mature, Brother Carpenter, and then when it is birth, then there is a spiritual growth for me personally that's out of this room. It's when I abort the will of God by stepping out and going into something that I'm not quite there yet. Come on, Brother Roberts, help me out. I want you to come if you feel like it. I'm going to step down and pray with you and for you and be one of you.
feel this in the Holy Ghost. The very last thing that's formed in a baby chick is its neck muscles. Brother Brock, last thing. You can crack an egg open 24 days, Brother Lee Garrett. Baby is fine, but no neck muscles. Can't hold his head up. But if you let it pip out of that egg, Brother Brock, it can hold his head up. That's what God wants to do with us today, Brother Roberts. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online to www.alcalabaster.com. And don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so that you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and have a great week.